This is Pastor Randy. That is night. <laughs> I just like saying that, that's all. After this series, I won't be able to say it anymore. We're in a series that I called Night because um, it focuses around those times in our life where we kind of have a sense that God is trying to get our attention, but it may not be as clear or as certain to us as we would like it to be. And sometimes they're pivotal moments, but we don't exactly know until they play themselves out. Now, I'm going to start today by saying that this message today, it, it pertains to guidance. And one of the ways that God shows his love to us is that he is willing to guide us. He is willing to lead us. And some of us need a lot of guidance. I, I am one that needs a lot of guidance. I'm just curious. How many of you have ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people? Let, let's have a moment of honesty. Okay. Uh, and how many of you were the wrong people? Ah, <laughs> yeah, me too. I really was. Now, I'm going to assume this was mostly our pre-Christian experience we're talking about. Wrong place, you know, wrong time, wrong people. Um, but what if I were to say that even as those that have put our trust in Christ and are his followers, those that want the will of God, seek the will of God, or are doing the will of God, what if I were to tell you that the scripture actually teaches that it's still possible for you and I, faithful followers of Christ, that we can still be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. We're trying to do what is right, but nevertheless, it's not the, the best version of right. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, to start off with, I, I'm going to share a little something with some of you that, you know, I don't share this very often with people, but, but I, I have some unique automotive skills some unique driving skills actually is what it is and um, when I try to explain these driving skills I, I usually summarize it kind of like this I don't know who you are I don't know what you want if you're looking for ransom I can tell you I don't have any money what I do have are a particular set of skills skills I have acquired over a very long career skills that make me a nightmare for people like you who may be driving with me okay now you you may have think that sounds familiar Randy that's not, well this guy he tried to make a big deal out of it in a movie uh, <laughs> but I have a particular set of driving skills that will make me a nightmare to you if you happen to be riding with me let me tell you what I'm talking about uh, I went to a trip in Mississippi some time back, and, and the trip was um, 843 miles. It should have taken 13 hours and 16 minutes, to be specific. I Doing the speed limit now, let me tell you what I do. Doing the speed limit, I turned 13 hours and 16-minute trip into 23 hours. Now, there you go. <laughs> You're talking about skills. I got them. <laughs> I, I get so lost. I have such a terrible sense of direction. It's really embarrassing. Um, I am so dependent upon that lady that talks and tells you, turn here, don't, you know, go, go 100 more feet and then turn again. I was recently trying to make a trip to somewhere, and I, you know, as always, I didn't know where I was going, so I'm listening for the lady's voice, and when I got started, she was silent. All I had were the maps. I was, I was terrified. I'm like, please, what did I do? Did I say something? What, why won't you talk to me? Please talk to me. I finally said, girl, you know I'm lost without you. <laughs> <laughs> literally literally man I need direction I need redirection a lot of times I get that reroute thing too I'm always messing up even when she tells me what to do I don't always do it right so sometimes in this guidance attempt 
uh, our attempt to you know follow God's guidance we still need redirection and we need God to make it easier for us to have recognition where does he want us when does he want us who does he want us to be involved with and there is all of those things for each and every one of us that are followers of Christ there, there's, there's a where that God wants us to be where he wants us to really put down our weight as it were there's a when that he wants us to do it and there's a group of who's that he wants us to do it with and so sometimes the choice it's not that we're outside of God's will you're going to see how this develops in a minute but that there's a better version of God's will there, there's that place of maximum effectiveness where God knows if he can just get us to the where and the, the when and the who we, we can just kind of hit full stride as it were and all of our learnings and our life experiences and our temperament type and our spiritual gifting and, and all of that energy of God will just have a, a freedom to flow through us and to move into the lives of other people and we'll see them affected and touched and blessed and we will be affirmed and blessed in return. That, that's kind of what we're talking about today. That place where we're just kind of in full stride. We're in sync. We're right in the center of God's will. That place of maximum effectiveness. And I'm just going to tip my hat a little bit. I'll come back to this at the end of the message. If there is any better place or any better experience that a human being can have in their entire life than that, I don't know what it is. I don't know at all. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I can't even imagine anything better. Sometimes our Christian lives get a little bit leaning toward the, the drudgery side, the struggle side, the mundane side, the boring side. And I think that many times the reason is we don't find this place. We, we don't find the where. We don't find the when. We don't find the who that God really wants us to connect with and to, to really pour ourselves into and then experience the energy of God working through us and kind of going back and forth between us and other people at the highest level. All right. The night of redirection and recognition. We're, we're going to see the Apostle Paul, the greatest servant of God that there ever was. We're going to see that even he, as he sought to do the will of God, even he needed God to redirect him at times and then to get him to a place of clarity where, where he had recognition of where, in fact, where God wanted him to be, when God wanted him to be there, and who God wanted him to be involved with. And so it's not just you and I. It's, it's, it's every servant of God. Let's, tell, let's go to Acts 16 and you'll kind of see how this unfolds in Acts 16 6 it starts this is Paul's second missionary church planting journey he has the first one he leaves Antioch and for about a year and a half two years he's planting churches and then he comes back he reports to the church of Antioch about a year or so goes by and then he goes out once again we're going to look at his second journey I'll even show you a map in just a minute Paul and his companions they traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been, now this is where it gets interesting, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Pause for a minute. Remember Jesus? He says, in Matthew 18, he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Nothing will stop it. But then he tells us how he's building his church in Matthew 28 after he rose from the grave. He said, you, my disciples, my followers, you go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, then teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I'm with you to the very end of the age. So get the picture again. Jesus is building his church. The word church in the Bible, it has nothing to do with a physical structure whatsoever. It's a Greek word, ekklesia. 
it's a called out assembly of people Jesus said I'm going to build my called out assembly I'm going to call people to myself but then he tells us when he rose from the grave his methodology is you and I that are his followers we go out and we tell people the truth about God and the truth about life as it centers in Christ we help others become his followers and then we teach them to obey all that he commanded so so that's the way the methodology that Jesus is using to build his church so Paul was doing the right thing is what I'm trying to get at Jesus said go and Paul was going he's going into all the world and yet yet the Holy Spirit says no don't go there so it's an interesting situation we have having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia so the Holy Spirit says don't go to Asia when they came to the border of Mysia they tried to enter Bithynia but the spirit of Jesus who would not excuse me but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to so once again the Holy Spirit says no don't go to Asia don't go to Bithynia and yet Jesus said go into all the world but evidently not this part of the world at that time and that group of people let's go on so they passed by Mysia and they went down to Troas during the what night hence the series title it's nighttime. during the night Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him come over to Macedonia and help us after Paul had seen the vision we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them and so that's where it stops so get the picture Paul's doing what Jesus said he's going into all the world he tries to go to Asia he tries to go to Bithynia two times the Holy Spirit says no don't go there I don't want you to go there I don't want you to go now I don't I don't want you to go to those people I want you instead he gives him a vision of a group of people in Macedonia in Greece so instead of turning toward Asia he turns toward Europe and it's there that God wants Paul to start planting these churches reaching people for Christ now let's face it Paul couldn't go into all the world at once he could only go into so many places one place at a time but it's interesting that he was forbidden to go into those places and he is told to go with a vision to another now some of you are thinking well man that's what I want I want a vision I want God to give me a vision and tell me exactly where to go exactly what to do then I'll be clear but we're not apostles and the apostles were given supernatural signs and wonders and they were they were receiving direct revelation from God much of which we have in our New Testament so you and I are not as likely highly unlikely let me let me be specific to receive a vision that specific about our particular role and our particular mission but nevertheless Paul did now let me show you a quick map so here's where they started the church at Antioch it was in the church at Antioch Acts 11 26 it says where the followers of Christ were first called Christians at Antioch so they leave and you can see they're they're heading to Asia and they go north and they get all the way up here by Bithynia and then the Lord has told them twice don't don't go into Asia stay at Asia and so he gets to Troas he gets this vision and then from there he goes to Philippi and we know from our New Testament we have a book called Philippians so he plants a church in Philippi we'll actually look at this next week and from there this this church grows and affects many many people so that's the territory we're talking about this was Paul's second missionary journey now let's ask some whys so what are the whys of redirection so Paul was going just like God said he was doing what God wanted him to do when he wanted him to do it but not exactly where at this point so so what might be some of the reasons why let's let's personalize this 
perhaps you, some of you in here have had this experience. You became serious about your relationship with Christ. You know, you didn't look around what anybody else was doing. You put your trust in Christ. He won your heart. He won your trust. He won your affection. And you said, you know, let everybody else do what they want to do. Let them goof off. Let, let them waste their lives away. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to get serious about the word of God. I'm going to get serious about the will of God. And I'm going to throw myself into the work of God. And maybe you've done that. You, and then you started, you started looking for uh, places to serve and maybe you tried some things and you tried one thing and ah, it just didn't seem to click it just wasn't happening there was some kind of a lack of connection maybe between you and the people maybe it didn't feel like it was a good fit for your personality type or maybe your experiences or your gifting so maybe you tried yet another thing but once again you did, just didn't get any traction it just wasn't it wasn't happening you you weren't at peace you weren't receiving any energy any motivation from god nor did it seem like you were communicating any good energy or blessing to other people it just didn't seem like it was working so two times let's say you experience you were kind of like paul forbidden by the holy spirit to continue on somewhere and God's trying to redirect you. Now, that can be discouraging and confusing because some people, sometimes what they do at that point is they pull back and they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to sit back. I don't really know what God wants me to do. Maybe he just doesn't want me to do anything. Maybe, maybe I'm just supposed to sit back and, you know, observe things. There are other people that they'll say things like, and I'll address this a little bit more clearly later, they'll say, you know, I, I know God has something for me to do, and, and I just, I know it's, Randy, I know it's big what God wants me to do, but, but I just don't know what it is. Then I see him two years later. Randy, I know God's got something big he wants me to do. I just don't know what it is. I'm still waiting. Seven years later, Randy, I know, <laughs> you get where I'm going, right? And it never seems to happen. I don't, I don't want any of us to be in that. And if you are in that, please don't feel like I'm picking on you. I, I'm trying to, to help you maybe make an exit out of that place even by this message today so what do what do we do why might god sometimes forbid he forbid paul and forbid us from kind of putting our weight down as it were in certain areas what what might be behind it so let me let me show you some passages of scripture that'll kind of illuminate this for us first we're going to think about the the where i mean what why was the where maybe you try to serve not where God wanted you to serve but what might be the reason that he didn't want you in that where Acts chapter 17 verse 26 the apostle Paul once again was kind of in a debating situation with some intellectuals at Athens is the backdrop of the rest of the passage in Acts 17 it says from one man so he's, he's talking to these intellectuals from one man meaning the Lord he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history saying that God planned what times in history certain nations would exist and the what boundaries borders borders are of God I just want to make that crystal clear God created borders and he's going to tell you in a minute in this passage why he created borders and the boundaries of their lands God did this so that okay so why why God why did you appoint certain nations certain times in history why did you create boundaries so that there's going to be multiplicity of nations why so that they would what does it say seek him and perhaps reach out for him and what find him though he is not far from any one of us what is God saying there 
He's saying that in his perfect knowledge and wisdom, he knows that by keeping humanity in nations, in separate groupings, places that have boundaries, that it is far more likely that human beings will reach out to him. God, it says in Scripture, he wants everybody to be saved. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, it says, God would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, God doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So God is saying that he, he separates people because it is, it is better for us. It is more likely that we will start to seek God and to reach out for him, and some of us will, will find him. So perhaps one of the reasons that Paul was forbidden to go into Asia at that time, Bithynia at that time, is because God knew that there were people, and you're going to see this in a minute, that, that were far more eager, the Macedonian vision. Here he has this vision, people in Greece, in Europe, that were begging for the gospel now mind you they they didn't know christ yet but god knew that there were people who were open if they were to hear of christ can you recall a time in your life where truth be told somebody could have came to you and they, they could have talked to you about christ every day every month even for years perhaps but frankly you just wouldn't have been interested anybody identify with that can i see your hands you just really wouldn't be interested i i know what that was like in my own life but then there came a time where suddenly you, I, we, we, we were open. You wouldn't be here today if, if to some degree you're not open, unless you're trying to impress a girl or something like that, and you might, might be here for that reason. Um, or, or a guy. I, I never thought of that angle. It could be either one. But um, suddenly there's an openness. And, and so let's just posit this. What if the Lord knew that in Asia and Bithynia, there was, not, there was not an openness at that time for people to be receptive. In other words, Paul could have went there and he could have just told people day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out about Christ and nobody would have been interested, just like you and I weren't interested at certain times in our lives. But he knew that in Macedonia, that if they heard about Christ, they would respond quickly. So that lends us to, to the idea of there's, there's, a, there's a timing. It's not only a where, but, but it's a when. Listen to this passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. You know, I know, there was a time when we were receptive to Christ. There was a time when we were not. What if the Lord knew that, that Asia at this point, it would be receptive later, and we know that it was, but not at that point. God wanted those in Europe to receive the gospel first because they would be more receptive a base of operation could be formed and the gospel could spread quickly it would get to Rome which we know that it did and then spread all over the Roman Empire which it did rather quickly so the forbiddenness of God what if it was so that Paul wouldn't waste a lot of time and a lot of effort he wouldn't experience a lot of frustration he wouldn't be pouring himself out and not seeing any results just like perhaps some of you you tried some various ministries you tried some various ways to serve but it didn't click you didn't get traction you 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 weren't energized nor did you feel like anybody else was being blessed it just wasn't happening maybe it was not the right place and and maybe it was not the right time sometimes people get fixated fixated on on one person you ever meet people like that in other words they, they've got a family member or maybe a loved one and, and all they can think about is reaching that one family member for christ 
man uncle rollo uncle rollo he he taught me how to, to ride my two-wheeler bike and uncle rollo you know he showed me how to skate and uncle rollo you know he was always there to listen to me you know when when i wouldn't feel comfortable talking to anybody else i couldn't imagine going to heaven without uncle rollo being there have you ever met people like that they, they just get fixated on one person and they'll spend months days years 10 years go by they're still trying to reach Uncle Rollo. They go to Uncle Rollo every day. Oh, Uncle Rollo, why don't you turn to Jesus? Why don't you put your trust in him? And Uncle Rollo, Uncle Rollo, he, he's a Satan worshiper and a blood drinker, and he hates God and, and hates people and hates life. But they're going to spend 10 years, 15 years, trying to reach Uncle Rollo, and the next-door neighbor is over there praying, Oh, God, send someone to show me how to be saved, you know. But they never lift their head to see. There, there's, there's a place and there's a time and if we stay aware and open to God guiding us and directing us, he'll lead us where we can have effective, maximally effective impact on people's lives. God perhaps was trying to save Paul from a lot of unnecessary labor and frustration. So there's a where, there's a when, and then there's also this. There, there's the who. Acts 18 gives us an example of the who. Now, I've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'll reiterate it again. It says, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision this is after the passage we read at the beginning of the message this is another portion of paul's life he says do not be afraid keep on speaking do not be silent for i'm with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because i have many people in this city now mind you paul had not met many people in the city the city you're going to find is corinth god is telling paul in advance he's saying i have many people in corinth they hadn't been reached yet but God knew they were open. They were receptive. It goes on to say, So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, 18 months, teaching them the word of God. He reaches many people. So God was maybe trying to steer Paul to a field where he knew people were, were open. And maybe he's tried to do that with some of us. Maybe our confusion of trying to serve somewhere and it not working out the way we had hoped, it's maybe just that God knows we will be more effective somewhere else with other people people maybe maybe you try to jump in and serve with with children but God's like no I don't want you serving with children I want you serving with with middle schoolers or high schoolers or I want you serving with adults or I want you serving behind the scene and and we get that kind of tangled up too sometimes we we want to pick our place and we're going to look at that in a bit in the body of Christ and that's not a wise thing to do let me share this with you God wants the church and I'll, I'll expand that a little bit he wants the church of God to function this way as a unified uh, unified function through interdependent speciality I like that word speciality we Americans we say specialty but we British say speciality <laughs> I like speciality it's talking about the way a human body functions but it's the way that God intends the church to function look what it says in 1 Corinthians 12 27 now you are the what's the word body of who Christ gave up his body on the cross to reveal the sacrificial love of God to win back our trust so that we could be saved from sin okay so he gave up his physical body so now he's building his church carrying out his work through his many membered body that he calls the church the ecclesia the called out assembly now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a what is a part of it and then he gives this example the eye cannot say to the hand I don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet I don't need you what is he talking about he's saying 
we have a unified function as the body of Christ, but we have interdependent specialities. Some of us are eyes, some of us are ears, some of us are hands, some of us are feet. Now, somebody, you know, kind of can get off track by saying, well, I want to be this person. You know, I want to be this function. I want to be, be the mouth in the body or something. And God's saying, no, I really, I really have a different place for you. For example, let, let's just take the eye. Uh, if my eye decided that I want to take a fork and grab a fork with my eye and feed my mouth, uh, that would probably not be the, the wisest thing to try to do. However, if I took my hand and I tried to see with my hand, how many of you know that I can't see with my hand? Some people say talk to the hand, but, but we're talking about seeing with your hand. No. So I've got to accept, listen carefully now, I've got to accept the place that God has placed me in the body of Christ. And sometimes people don't like the place. They want to they be something that God doesn't want them to be. They want to do something that God hasn't equipped them to do. And so they get confused and they get frustrated and they get angry instead of just accepting their role in the body of Christ. And then I, I know this inevitably somebody saying, well, Randy, I think I'm probably, just a, I'm probably just a little toe, the pinky toe in the body of Christ. You know? Man, your pinky toe is a big deal. You, you don't have good balance without your pinky toe. You, you don't have propulsion without your pinky toe. You need your pinky toe. Hit that pinky toe on a table leg one time, and, 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 and you tell me how important that pinky toe is. When you hit your pinky toe on that table leg, does your pinky toe hurt or do you hurt? You with me? You hurt. Yes, your pinky toe hurts, but you, you, your soul, you hurt. The body of Christ, every part is critically important. But I have to be willing to accept my role, my function. God chooses what my role is, what my function is, what my gifting is, and he chooses yours as well. But we, ha we have to be willing to accept that to find that place of maximum effectiveness. We have a, a class we call Discover FCF, and I hope all of you will take some time to take it sometime. But one of the, the units in it, it says, what is my work in building up the church? And these are some of the questions we ask so that you can kind of find your place of maximum effectiveness, maximum satisfaction, I might add as well. So we'll ask questions like, what interests you? What skills, what abilities, what experiences uh, do you have? We'll say, are you task-oriented or, pe or people-oriented? What, um, <clears throat> what is this season of your life like? You might be in a very busy season. You might have small children. You might be in a season where, you know, your children are grown and gone. That, that changes things dramatically. And then this is a critical question. What spiritual gifts might you have? If you look at Romans, and you might want to take a note on this or just play the message again sometime. If you look at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, you have seven spiritual gifts listed there that God gives to us. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, you, you have nine spiritual gifts listed there. Now, there's a little bit of overlap. If you take the Romans list and the 1 Corinthians list, you have about 13, roughly. Go back in the Old Testament, um, Exodus 35, Bezalel and Aholiab, two guys that God gave spiritual gifts of craftsmanship. I don't know if he's still giving that gift or not. Maybe so. But my point is this. If you have put your trust in Christ and are his follower, the Bible teaches, God teaches, God has given you at least one and maybe more than one spiritual gift. And if you're curious about those spiritual gifts, again, Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, you can see a list of about 13 gifts there, and you can prayerfully kind of seek what gift or gifts God may have given you. We also offer you this. Um, at the Discover FCF class, if you go 
uh, the next class is March 10th, by the way, if you want to go to that. And, and that kind of gives you understanding of why we do what we do, how we do at FCF. But if you go to email on information at FCF Church, we have a spiritual gift assessment. Now, this thing is not foolproof. But it, but it might help in giving you some idea what spiritual gift or gifts. You want. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, so, so, so don't, don't raise your hand. But if I were to ask you, do you know what spiritual gift or gifts you have? Don't raise your hand. But would you be able to raise your hand? You need to answer that question because here's what God wants us to do. He wants each of us to discover what gifts that he has given us and then he wants us to develop those gifts. They have to be developed. And then he wants us to deploy those gifts in a, in a ministry, in service to the body of Christ. So sometimes God says, don't go somewhere. Don't serve here, even though it's God's will that we serve, even though it's God's will that we, we try to invest ourselves in his work. But, but he says, you could do it better in a different place at a different time with different people. How many of you guys in here are, are gardeners? You see your hands? We had a bunch of them in the first row. A bunch of gardeners. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not. I wish I were. Every time I've attempted, it's a disaster. But um, you gardeners, though, okay, so if you were going to pick a garden spot, here's what I know about you, uh, even though I'm not much of a gardening type myself. Um, you would not pick ground that's become just completely hardened, you, you know, like the sun's beat down on it, it's clay and, and hardened. You wouldn't pick that as your garden spot. You also would not pick a spot where there's nothing but rocks in the soil. You know, every, every time you turn a spade, you, you find another rock. You wouldn't pick that for your garden. You also would not pick a place that is saturated with those really nasty thorns that, like, rip your clothes and everything. You can't even move around. You wouldn't pick that for your garden spot. What you would do is you would try to find real good topsoil rich topsoil that's what you would find and that's exactly what jesus said in matthew chapter 13 some of you remember jesus told a series of parables about seed and soil the seed being the word of god the kingdom of god the message of christ and he compared the soil to people's hearts and he said some soil it, it's so hard when the seed gets on it it's just wasted it's just it just lays there and does nothing he says in some people's hearts they're full of rocks and so that that seed can't get down and really sprout up because the first time there's the slightest little bit of difficulty or trouble they walk away from God and he says some people's hearts are, are like thorny ground and they have so many interests they have so many other things they're invested in they're never going to be productive with reception of the word of God and then he said but some people some people man their hearts are open their hearts are yielded they want to know the truth about God and the truth about life. They are receptive. And when you share the truth with them, they will take it into their heart. It will start to change them, and it will make its way through them to yet others. God says to Paul, don't go to Asia. Don't go to Bithynia. Go to Macedonia because I know, I know there's people just waiting. Don't keep trying to reach Uncle Rollo for the next 15 years. Reach that person or persons that maybe are just waiting for somebody to say, hey, would you come to church with me next Sunday? I, I don't know if that's your thing or not, but I'd be thrilled if you just come along. You might be amazed. So sometimes God has to redirect us in order to help us become maximally effective. So here's some questions. Where, we need to ask where, am I in the right place? When? Is it the right time in my life? 
and who are these the right people if you and I are willing to ask these questions it might make it easier for us to understand when God's trying to redirect us some of us perhaps have been in a stalled position for a lot of years and, and, and I'm not trying to be insulting to anyone at all, but, but sometimes, you know, we just get stalled, and it's like, hey, my thing, man, is I just come to church and I just listen. Well, I, I'm thrilled, and that's a good start, but I'm telling you, you're, you're going to miss out on so much of what it really means to be fully human and fully alive and in union with Christ if you have not found your place, your time, and your who's that you are meant to serve and to connect with. Okay, so let's go on to the next part, that, that, the house of recognition. So it was easy for Paul. Paul receives a vision from God. Some guy in Macedonia is begging, come help us. So we would like to have that kind of clarity, but the, the truth is we're not likely to. He was an apostle. Supernatural activity was still going on. Like I said, the scripture was still being formed. But one thing that Paul did not have that we do have is we have an entire Bible, an entire New Testament. He didn't. So we still have lots of ways and means for God to guide us, but sometimes we have to ask a different set of questions and, and be flexible in different ways. So the house of recognition, how can I recognize, how can you recognize your Macedonian call? That place where God's saying, go here, go now, go to those people, because it's all going to sink, it's all going to click, it's all going to bring you to life, and you're going to bring them to life. There's going to be kind of a give and take in this connection. So let's ask a set of questions. Where is there a need? If you want to receive the guidance of God, if I want to receive the guidance of God, I've got to start with this where is there a need now this is not a commercial <laughs> but I'm just going to give you an example because it was a kind of hanging curveball and I'm just going to use it Pastor Pete was talking earlier about the parking lot team that we were trying to form I, I'm, I, wouldn't it be terrible if everybody in this room joined the parking lot team then we would have too many people and it would be utter chaos so please don't join the parking lot team unless, unless, unless you feel like God is, is knocking on your door okay but I want to use that as an example when you hear something like that and if you're not already engaged, it's not a bad thing to say, you know, I'll step out. I'll give it a try. Maybe you hear there's a need in, in the nursery or you hear there's a need in middle school or high school or, or, or a need in some of other areas. We have lots and lots of ministries. Where is there a need? Let your ears be perked up because it might be part of God's guidance system where he's trying to give you your personal Macedonian call. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. I'm going to give you the context of this because it's a little tricky. There's a principle in here that can guide us, but you have to be careful with it. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, it says, Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you in and remain as you were when God first, what? First called you, meaning when you first came to Christ. So essentially, it gives us this idea of we all have a circle of influence and a place that God plants us. And it's kind of a, a guidance principle that stay where God has planted you. Now, if you read the rest of 1 Corinthians 7, the context is Paul is talking about um, believers in Christ, followers of Christ that were considering divorcing their non-believing spouses because they just thought that's what they were supposed to do. And Paul said, no, don't do that. If, they'll, if they, they can stand you and stay with you, just stay together. You might reach them for Christ. The other context was he was talking about employee-employer relationships. You have to understand, in the Roman Empire, a lot of slavery. And so you might have been a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, a doctor, lawyer, but you might have been a slave in a Roman household. 
And the Christians were like, well, should we try to break free? And Paul says, no, just, just hang in there, man. Just stay where you're at because you can influence your circle of influence where God planted you. Now, God did say, if you can be free, get free. Okay, so, but, but I want to give you the context is, where is there a need? Think in terms of where you've been planted. What is your circle of influence? That's a good place to start when you're trying to find your unique Macedonian call, as it were, that place where God's going to use you max at, at the max. Secondly, when am I needed? It's not just where, but when. Is there a need now? Is there a need in the future? You know, what is the timing? What is the timing in my life? Am I at a stage in life where I do have the time? Am I at a stage in life where I have other God-given roles, relationships, and responsibilities that that rightfully demand my time and attention. That may change as time goes on, but we, we have to balance this. Now, I love this passage because to me, this is the secret of finding that place of what I'm, I keep calling maximum effectiveness, and I'm going to enlarge on that in a bit. Galatians 6.10, it says, Therefore, as we have, what is that big word? Opportunity. Opportunity. As I get an opportunity, as we have opportunity, let us do what? Good to who? All people, especially to those who belong to what? Family of believers. So this is really easy as a principle. God is telling me, Randy, just open your eyes, man. Anytime there's an opportunity to do good, seize it, grab it, take off on it, do it. Because God can guide us if we're on the move. Remember, Paul was on the move. He was trying to go to Asia. He was trying to go to Bithynia. He wasn't just sitting there like this waiting for God to tell him exactly where to go, what to do. He was on the move. Two-wheel bike. If you try to just balance and stand still on a two-wheel bike, you're not going to last very long. But if you're, if you're pedaling that bad boy, it kind of balances itself. When we're on the move, when we're seizing the opportunities, those people that I was talking about earlier in the message that say, I know God's got something for me to do, Randy. And they, they, they're always kind of dramatic too. I know God's got something for me to do. I just don't know what it is yet, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting. My answer to them when they're sincere is to say, you see my hand right here in front of my face? That's you. Do the good that is staring you in the face. I don't care how small it is. I don't care where it is, what it is. Do the good that you have the opportunity to do. That gets you moving with God, and then God can guide us and move us around. He'll have us interact with just the right people. We'll get just the right learnings. We'll develop character. We'll, we'll develop some spiritual strength, and then when he moves us into that place of maximum effectiveness, we're built up, and we're ready to function. So just do the good. Seize the opportunities. When am I needed? When you hear a call, and I, I practiced this in my early Christian life, I just served wherever there was a need. And then God, by that process, he kind of moved me along, and finally I was able to discover what gifts I had and got affirmation from the congregations and things, and that's how I developed. So as we have opportunity, let me go on to the third principle quick because I'm going along. And that's the Who? Who needs what I have to offer? That's the third question. If I want to be guided and get recognition of that place that God wants me to invest in, I've got to ask what needs that I have to, that I have to offer, or who needs, excuse me, what I have to offer. 1 Peter 4.10 talks about those spiritual gifts again. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Remember Romans 12, 6 through 8, you got 7. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, you got 9. You, they overlap a little bit, so it's about 13 in there, but you can look and see which one you may, may have. 
Um, use them well to do what? Serve one another. Remember, we're to discover our spiritual gift or gifts. We're to develop them, and then we're to deploy them. We're to serve one another with the spiritual gifts. So here's a third question we can ask, and it allows God to guide us. So we're prayerfully asking these questions, and we're, we're moving with God. We're doing something. Paul was on the move. God was able to guide him. So let me sum it up this way. Where is there a need? When am I needed? And who needs what I have to offer? Now, today, today, you, most of us, are going to go home and watch football. Be, be, I mean, I'm going to watch some football day. God willing, I'm going to watch some football day. Right. Now, you got 22 men on the field, you know, 11 on one side, 11 on the other side. Now, each and every play, all of those men have a specific assignment. Uh, you, you, we'll, we'll mostly hear about the quarterback, the running back, the wide receivers. They'll, they'll get most of the attention. But you know and I know the guys that really determine the game for the most part, they're, they're the, the guys you don't hear that much about on the line, front line, you know, defensive line, offensive line. They all, every single play, they have a specific function. All 11 men has a specific function. The success of the play and the success of the team is dependent upon every single guy fulfilling his function on every single play. And the team that does that the best is the team that, generally speaking, wins. And so the Spirit of God has distributed gifts and experiences and temperament types and, and all kinds of opportunities and life learnings and things amongst His people and he says, now you're, you're my body. I need every single one of you if I'm going to express myself to the circle of influence that you guys take up in your region. I, I need every one of you, every one, your unique personality, your unique experiences, and the gifts that I've given you. You need, you need to discover those, develop those, deploy those. And when we all start to function as a unit, we want to see human beings know what their destiny was always meant to be to to be united with their creator not just in this life but in all eternity when we start getting serious about the work of god and our part in it we're going to see something happen in us some christians that are feeling like ah this christian walk thing man it's just a struggle it's 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 even boring sometimes it's monotonous and sometimes it just seems like a morality trip or something like that you get plugged in to doing the will of God and the work of God in the place and with the people and at the time that he wants and you watch something come alive in you that you haven't experienced before some of us we we don't we don't have the energy we don't have the enthusiasm we don't have the excitement we don't have the joy we don't have the peace because we're not we're not connected we're we're like a plug sitting right in front of the the plug you, you got to plug plug that thing up before anything's going to happen and each of us have the opportunity to do that today. You and your role and your place is critically needed. It's needed by God, but let me tell you the other side. It, it's needed by you. You're never going to be fully human and fully alive until the energy of the Spirit of God is working through you, flowing through you, and you get to see it impact the life of another human being. You'll know what I'm talking about then. I'm going to close with something I said in the first service. Bear with me if you can. I know that some of you, you come in here Sunday in and Sunday out, and you've got a load 
of challenges in your life. And I know that sometimes you come in, you're looking for one word. Maybe your challenge is with your work. Maybe your challenge is with, you know, some relationship. Or maybe it's economic or physical or mental, emotional. But you come in, man, and you're, you're, you're hanging on by a thread. And so you want to hear a word that's going to speak to your specific circumstances. And you might be tempted to say, this message, man, I should have slept in today because all this serving junk, I'm, I'm in trouble, man. I, I needed a word of encouragement in my situation. Hear me out. I'm at the stage in life where I get to say some things, okay? And here's what I want you to hear. If any human being, I don't care who it is, I don't take the richest the most intelligent, the most achieved, and everybody under and in between. Take the richest, the poorest, the smartest, the, the least smart. I don't care who it is. Bring them to me and say, Randy, give me the goods, man. What in the heck is life really about? What, what, is, what is your advice? What's the secret, in your opinion, to life? And here's what I would tell whoever it is. And you, you hear this because you might be thinking that you needed to hear a word on your specific problem and God wants to redirect your attention to something else. The key, the secret to life is first of all, we must reconnect with our creator Christ. That happens when you and I make a decision to put our trust in the one that was crucified to display his unashamed affection and devotion for us once we return to Christ in trust and reconnect with God now the life of God can start to form in us once you reconnect to Christ then here's what I would say to that person I'd say now take all your energy spend every effort you need to and throw yourself into learning the Word of God so that from the Word of God you can learn the will of God in every single area of your life go to the Word of God learn the will of God and then do the will of God in every single area of your life and then the third thing I would say to them and say after you do that throw yourself your full effort don't even count the cost throw yourself full effort into the work of God let your life be about Letting Christ have his way in you and you making Christ known through you. Do it everywhere you can, to everyone you can. Serve God, serve his people, serve his church, serve your community. Roll up your sleeves. Jesus is the greatest servant in the universe. And when we walk in servanthood, we experience his life. And so that's what I would say. The key, the secret, I don't care who you are, what you've experienced, that will give you follow that formula that will give you the best life possible and we all want that in this life regardless of circumstances as well as no regrets at life's end none and the best eternity that you can imagine in fact it's a little bit beyond our ability to imagine that is what I would say and so I offer that up to you today who may have been a little disappointed frankly it's okay Sometimes I'm disappointed by the messages I give too, <laughs> to be honest. But tuck it away, and you'll find it's trustworthy. Maybe we need some redirection today, and maybe God's trying to get some of us to experience some recognition of that sweet spot where your will and His will come together, and everything that He wants to bring out of your life and give to others, it, it's right there to be found but we've got to be willing to seek it in His way. Let's pray together. Father, we, th we thank You.
we thank you that that you come and rescue us you rescue us from meaninglessness purposelessness you rescue us from sin and guilt and shame you show us things about life and love that that our hearts hunger for and then you invite us into your work Uh, the, the greatest work that gets done on this planet is that work where your spirit reaches out to other human beings through we your people thank you that you privilege us for this and may your spirit stir each of us to find that place of maximum effectiveness in the center of your will we ask it in christ's name amen